Hi, I'm Joe. I'm Sam. And I'm Martha. And welcome to Athenaeum, a podcast about writing, literature, and the culture that feeds them. The music for this episode came from Ivan Dutch at ivandutch.com. And today we're discussing Orange World by Karen Russell. So it's a collection of short stories. We'll be discussing a few of them today. And these are a little bit odd, but I really, really enjoyed them. We, we've talked a lot about short stories on the podcast before. Um, so I'm really excited to talk about this with Sam and Martha. And Martha is actually from a, her, she has her own podcast. You guys have been on for over five years. Yeah, yeah it's been over five years. We started in 2016. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yep. Yep. That's 269 right. episodes today. <laughs> 269 goes up today. So. so, and three book girls. Now, and I, you have more than three girls on the podcast, though. <laughs> I know, it is a little confusing. I think that when you start doing a podcast, you don't really think about the future very much. No. You know, you start out, you go, oh, this is a great idea. This is going to be so much fun. And then at the time, there were three of us. And so we went back and forth about what to name it. And we settled on three book girls because there were three of us. Well, as time went on, people came and went. And we started to realize as a part of a good flow, it was good to have the three initial girls and then a guest of some kind, whether it be another, just another book girl or you know, an author or whatever. So we sort of evolved, and now there are five of us who are on the show regularly, and we just sort of switch back and forth. And I do like. Well, congrats! Variety. That's a lot <laughs> over the last five years. It's fantastic. Yeah, I think we tried to figure out how many books that was, and it it was just impossible because we do it. We each person that's on the show reviews a different book every week. So that's a lot of math. Yeah, it's four books every week, at least. But then there are some weeks we have five. There are some weeks we have three. Um, then there are other times where we end up going off to a rabbit hole and talk about a different book. You know what it's like talking to book people. <laughs> we have definitely hit that before going into our own rabbit hole. So. Yeah, so it's a lot of books. But um, for people who really love to read, I don't think that's a stretch at all. No. Because no. we talk about, we don't discuss books. We don't, we don't uh, compare our thoughts on books. We just talk about the books we are reading, the current books that we want to share. Um, as, and it doesn't take as much preparation either because not everybody has to read the same book. Not everybody has to have the same taste. We tried, we've done a couple of episodes where... Everybody read the same book and it was pretty disastrous. Oh my gosh. I take that as like the, uh, what is it? The Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Society approach to book clubs. I don't know if you read that book or saw the movie, but it is where everybody brings their own books. So I've been doing, especially when we were in like quarantine and stuff, you can't always get all the same books at the library. And so I did that a lot more with my personal book clubs of, okay, Potato Peel, everyone just brings their own books talks about it um almost try and sell me on this book like why should i read yeah, it that's a bit of what we do as well i didn't know that's what that was about now i'm gonna have to read it highly recommend it awesome <laughs> mm. 
Well, Martha, you were the one who suggested Karen Russell, right? I hadn't heard of her before. Yeah, um, we do this thing where if we find a book throughout the year that we particularly love, at, on our last episode of the year, then we choose which books had been our favorites. And mm -hmm. I don't remember what year I read this, but I do remember that I chose it as one of my favorite books. And I often recommend books to people based on what their tastes are. Mm -hmm. Oddly enough, it wasn't my taste at all. It wasn't the kind of book that I would have picked up on my own. And I don't remember. I think somebody recommended it to me. And so I, I listened to about 90% of my stuff on audio. It's a really hard book to read, but not in the way that you might think. Um, but it stuck with me so long. Oh my gosh, such a great book. Her writing style is amazing. And after reading Swamplandia, I of course immediately went out and tried to find more of her work, but I don't like short stories. So, and as a rule, I don't read them. Because they can they you just quick expand? Why don't you like short stories? Okay, the reason that I normally am not drawn to short stories is because if I like something, I want to hear all about it. I want to be immersed in a story, and I am inevitably furious because there's not enough. And then all of a sudden, we're onto something completely different, and you gotta switch gears. And especially in audio, it's really frustrating. So that's so interesting. I almost feel yeah. the exact same way. I love having a little tidbit that's so wrapped up. We read, was it Love, Death, and Robots? Love, and Death, and Robots was excellent. That's another one like, that I really like. Liked. Perfect little like bow was wrapped on top. Like, yes, this is this beautiful world that I just made for you. Here is my gift. Yeah, um, but I just get so frustrated. There's not enough. And so I the only person that I only people that I've really enjoyed short stories from uh, typically are like Stephen King or Joe Hill because that's a scary stuff <laughs> and I love horror so I'll enjoy those you know but all the other short story collections I've read there's been some super weird ones but I just get so frustrated I quit I think too there's like a lot of the short story collections I read are actually um, from characters that are really really popular uh, usually urban fantasy short stories where they take the main characters from uh, Urban Shaman and Patricia Briggs novels and that kind of thing and they put them in so they give you a little bit more without more of like the day-to-day -day short story you know what their days look like when crazy things aren't going on um, which is not what these short stories are <laughs> no these are I, I just picked this based on I had just read it recently I almost didn't pick it up, but it was one of those things that was during the, I'm sure it was during the pandemic. And, you know, you're more willing to try out things when you're bored. Yep. <laughs> so I listened to it and I was just amazed. I, I want, I was going to save it for my podcast because it, it's an outlier. It's not something that I would normally review as a short story collection, but it was, yeah. so, I, it's, fascinating i just loved it i think karen russell really crosses over what takes as a very ordinary story and you're reading as a short story like this is just traditional fiction story and then it brings 
horror and magical realism and kind of like breaks down all these boundaries. I know I had to like flip back and go, whoa, 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 wait, <laughs> these people are dead. So like the first story, there's gonna be spoilers, plot twist. The first story, the prospectors, it's these women who are like, oh, we were gonna go on a date and we're going up um, to see this lodge. And then they are like, why do all these people have the same color eyes? And they realize they remember a story from the local town that was like, all of these guys died two years ago. And I, I just, it kind of bamboozled me. I was like, oh my gosh, wait, wait, wait. What did I just read? It was like these two fun girls, just like that are gal pals hanging out. And. Well, that are gal pals. I, I like that it's called prospectors because I got a big, because they're gold diggers. That's what they are. They're, they're gold that diggers. <laughs> gold digging a, gal pals. Yes. And there's a section in there where they say, we're gold diggers. We're the gold diggers of gold diggers. Yes. Yeah. So they basically rip off people who are, you know, doing kind well. Of, yes, doing extremely well, but they kind of masquerade their way in the door and then steal from people. That's their, that's what they do. And then they, they jet off. They actually are get, they get caught or something. I can't remember exactly what happens, but I know they flee in the middle of the night and move to this small town in I think it's Washington or Oregon. Or, Oregon. Yeah, Oregon. And they so they don't they know a little bit of you know just what they've heard around town from their landlady and then when they take the gondola up they think they're going to the can't remember if it's the the evergreen oh, they think they're going the- to the evergreen but mm-hmm. where they actually end up is the emerald lodge which was the one that was buried by an avalanche two years prior and they have to kind of take this approach and go okay well we can't tell them they're dead the only way that we're going to get out of this alive is by pretending that they're alive and it was t- taking that gold digger approach to ghosts Right. And it was, I think it was a great beginning for the collection. You got to start out strong. Mm -hmm. It's probably not the one I would have picked for the beginning because I thought that a lot of the stories were strong, but I really enjoyed getting into it in that way. As you said, it starts out where you think it's something else. And then all of a sudden, the girls are standing there and they're looking around and she's working it out in her head. And she goes, whoa, did you, did you notice that all their eyes are the same color? <laughs> it's kind of weird. And there's color. no one else here. And there's only 26 men. And they It's didn't, supposed to be this big, like, debutante party. All, all guys and two girls. And they didn't know about the other lodge. Like, that was the other, like... Mm-hmm. Flag. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. It was pretty, it was a subtle flag, though, because it's, it almost came off like he was like, like that was anywhere near as good. Yeah, as because are. they're dead and they didn't know it got rebuilt because they think this is it. Oh, well, yeah, I, I thought it was really good myself. I, I think but. the writing style of that one was a, a little bit different from the rest, too, in, in a really good way because it was set in the what, late 30s, early 40s. And it kind of reads like a story from then, too. Like, just the word choice and also kind of the way that the characters jump between things, right? Oh, my gosh, they're dead. 
the indications are so subtle that they're dead and how she put that together in her head. It's definitely not a hit you over the head Mm -hmm. type of horror. It's a creeping horror. Compared to Orange World, which was the last one that did hit you over the head. That was a strange one. I'm I'm surprised that because we obviously had to pick a couple to talk about. And I was surprised you chose that one. Well, that was, well, it's the, it's the namesake you, for the book. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But are either of you parents? No. no. <laughs> See, that's why I was surprised because the the book is about a new mother, or not the book, but the story is about a new mother. And I that will is say, such I have a, a lot unique. of really close friends who are pregnant or just had babies and things like that, oh, and gosh. that made me terrified to have children Um, (laughs) it was yes and here's the here's the one thing I don't know if you know about me is that I never my son is adopted so I didn't have to go through all of that all the horrific body changes you know I was continually put in situations when I was younger where I would have to be in a room full of women who had all given birth and they all want to talk about the horrible things that happened to them. And I just would stand there and go, yeah, I don't know what that is. <laughs> and the whole premise of this is this woman wants to make sure that she can keep this baby. She's had issues with getting pregnant before and she ends up making it what she thinks is a deal with the devil. And that devil leaves off of her breast milk. Um, and it's that is, it, that is one weird ass story. You, mm-hmm. you have to admit how weird that is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I will say in short stories, I'm used to every word, every phrase having so much packed meaning. In Orange World, they go on this kind of a side. It's all of these women who have also been interacting with what they end up deciding as a devil and not the devil. And they there's a scene where these moms who have all interacted with devils before have this ABC book about animals they're like what kind of animal was yours mine was a hawk um and they go through and they're just going uh well was it an aardvark no was it a bok no and they're like a capybara i was like why are we on a capybara right now i was really expecting like a bigger punch like bigger metaphors and i but try like work it out in my head since i read it like gosh what does a capybara mean? I don't think it means anything. It's like a giant rat, I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like, it doesn't have any like subtext to it. No, mm-hmm. not really. Well, same too with, because um, it, it feels very much like a, a magical realism story to an extent. Mm-hmm. But they talk about the green world, the orange world, and then the red world. And the orange world is where everyone usually lives and, you know, our child is born into the green world, but it's not actually different worlds. It's like how they rank almost like the luck, like the luck you're having. Right. At that or, point. or how they, how they would judge um, risk. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like the safety of your home. If you're doing like yep. a child assessment for like a foster care right. situation, is it so a green orange, orange or red like, home? Is, it would be like a yellow light. Mm-hmm. Which was. So that's kind of how I interpret it interpret yeah. was just risk assessment which is where it, it gets interesting as to why did she call it orange world <laughs> it doesn't seem to really connect directly whereas like prospectors it connects directly into what they were doing how they were trying to survive and and how they got honestly there. it's such a weird story <laughs> that I, I just 
can't I mean, what else would you call it? <laughs> Maybe like a deal with a devil? Well, but that would, I think the reason, it, it, me, if I had written it, I wouldn't have named it that either. Because it you bring expectations to the table as a reader when you invoke powerful words like that, like devil. Mm-hmm. And you're going to read things in where you wouldn't otherwise. So I, I think it's a good thing that she didn't name it something like that, because when it does come up, it's more of a what? Also, the fact that all of these women who have had children know exactly what she's talking about. They don't think she's crazy at all. Like, this is just a normal thing that happens. Oh, yeah, it's probably living under your porch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It wakes you up at 444 every morning and screams until you come out and breastfeed it in the gutter. I mean... That is seriously probably the weirdest sentence I've ever uttered. <laughs> it's very strange. It, it's it was a weird story, but it also was because it's a weird story. It's an interesting one to talk about of how well, how there's a yeah a very obvious symbolism where it's going. Oh well, like our bodies are like scratched and being hurt by this devil, but we're postpartum and nobody really looks at our bodies. Mm-hmm. And nobody and, believes us either. Mm-hmm. They hear us talk, but they don't really hear us. And as as women, when you have a child, even an adopted child, you become invisible. It's like all of your um, your your past, all of your hopes and dreams, all of your individuality flees immediately when that baby comes into your house. And you nobody ever tells you that. You don't realize how much of yourself you lose being a mother. And I think that too is, is built into it. It's part of the story. It's part of, you know, my body is not my own anymore. Yeah. One thing I kind of want to bring into it, only because the movie recently came out and it actually ends up tying into this interestingly. Have you guys either seen or read Dune, the book? Oh, yes, I've read Dune. Many times. Okay, so when you're describing that, it reminds me a lot of the mother in Dune of the main character and the fact that she, but she purposely tries to fade into the background and disappear. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, I. I always get reminded whenever I reread that or when I was watching the movie about how she tried to do that. And then I think it became too much a part of her in the end. I I think also as a a woman whose child has just left home, you then at that point when your child leaves, have to try to find who you are again. Yeah. A lot of people have a real hard time doing it. And And so that's, interesting that you say that because it does you either find yourself again or you fade you just become whatever part of the wallpaper wait for the grandchildren (laughs) i guess yes that's that's probably part of it too and you and you see that in women's personalities as well because it's so hard after all of that time has passed you know but uh, that's for another conversation i'm sure day but but definitely in that story it's 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 showcasing the horror Mm -hmm. 
of new motherhood and the things that pregnancy and delivery does to your body. I mean, they were sitting in the new moms group and, and the, the one lady is talking and she goes, yeah, I'm sitting here in a diaper and I've got blood clots coming out of places. I didn't, you know, she's just basically going on and on about this, you know, horrible experience that she's been through. And the other ladies are just sort of shaking their heads. Yeah. Like it's, that's, that's what happens. Like that, that's, that, well, and, yep. and I think the other thing, too, that plays into the main character is she is considered geriatric pregnancy, which I think is anyone over the age of, like, isn't it 34 or something? Yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's, and uh, there's a number of characters throughout it that end up making, like, little comments about, oh, and, you know, oh, yeah, you know, even us older ladies can be new moms. And it's like, that, too, was like a dig, like a pretty good dig as it went through you would be surprised at how evil women are that's all i have to say about that so that didn't surprise me in the least because i have heard the most hateful backhanded things come out of people's mouths when it comes i mean when you're an adoptive parent for example it's like oh but what what about his real mother you know and and you're just sitting there going I can't believe we're even, you know, this is so incredibly rude. I just don't even know what to say. But like, even in the story, then you have the flip side of it, of their camaraderie. It ends up almost feeling like, like an Ocean's 8 scenario where all these women power together to capture this demon, devil, whatever we want to call it, this capybara. And they like go a hundred miles outside of town and just let it go. And then they're a little bit sad about it because then the demon starts crying and it's about to explode. And they're all just like, if only it had a mother to love it. And it was a very interesting like juxtaposition of like the darkness holding on to us and letting it go. And what does that really mean? Mm-hmm. And I think it's a comment too about, you know, motherhood to an extent of there are times when it's really, really hard no matter how you have your baby. But in the end, it's still, oh no, you know, it needs help. Oh no, like, I, I'm i supposed to be taking care of it. And, and mm-hmm. I think that's kind of the dark bit of getting rid of that devil. She was doing it for her own child, but also it was behaving a lot like, you know, a baby being very demanding, being very... You know, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think it's a skillfully written short story. It it has, I don't know, it just takes a really good writer to be able to craft something like that in such a short form. That's my opinion. I just really don't see all the this, this short stories that I have read. There are very few that capture me in the way that the, every almost every story in this collection did. I'm curious, I know, Martha, at the top, you mentioned, you know, in these short stories, or in any short story, you usually want it to expand and have a full world. For Orange World specifically, would you be interested in it being like in a full-length novel or expanding it out? Well, see, there's the odd thing, is that when it's done right, when it's skillfully done, you're not left wanting. Yeah. Oddly I felt the same way. Yeah. Um, and yeah. but that's a rare feeling. I with Joe Hill, he does a fantastic job. He does tend to write them a little longer. They're more like novellas. Mm-hmm. I rarely feel dissatisfied when reading one of those. Stephen King's also very good at it. Um there was I wish I could think of 
the name of it. It was called Her Body and Other Stories, something like that. It's been a while ago. They were good short stories, but they were disturbing. And there wasn't enough of, there's, there wasn't enough of a, a crafting of the story. Mm. You just felt like you were hanging. I mean, if, if you were just reading that story and then walking away, they would be fine. But I don't read like that. If I pick up, you know, something and it's in my ear and I'm, I'm doing things, I am an audio reader most of the time. And I'm also, if I'm going to read, I'm going to read for a period of time. Oh, I don't pick it up and put it okay. down, pick it up and put it down. I'm there. I want to finish. I want to be completely consumed by the material. But it's such a shock to the system. If you have a really disturbing short story that has no, oh, what would you even call it? Like a not a conclusion, but just a, uh, well, I guess you could say conclusion. Like a resolution. Resolution. Thank you. That was the word I was looking for. I mean, I felt that with Edgar Allan Poe, and we read that a while ago, where I read it as a kid, but reading it as an adult, I just need to not look at anything for a little bit after reading that. You get really creepy, and I, I felt kind of the same way um, with Karen Russell is, I needed a little bit of space to breathe after each short story because it sits with you and it's a little creepy. Yeah. I, I mean, I read, that's the sort of thing I read all the time. Honestly, I, I like the weirder, the better. I think it's probably just because when you read as many books as I read, it's just really refreshing to have something different. Mm. Everything starts to feel very formulaic. All of the genres are very, I don't know, vanilla. Even, I don't know, it just really takes your mind out of it, the normalcy that you experience in everyday life and with reading yeah. as well, because all in all, people are really not very creative when it comes to, they tend to fall into a genre. And with stories like this, they're so bizarre. I mean, it, it totally disrupts your preoccupation with anything else. You're paying attention to what's going on because it's so weird. And that's why I like things like this. That's why I enjoy Kieran's writing is that she, she just really has a gift for being able to, I like to call writers like this lyrical. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the way she writes is very lyrical. It, it, the, when I was reading Swamplandia, for example, I knew within the first 10 pages that I was going to have to own that book just so that I could read over the sentences again, because they're so lovingly crafted and so cleverly assembled that it's like looking at a masterpiece. You want to go and see it again. And I'm a library reader because I read so much, otherwise I'd be yeah. completely broke. So, yeah, I mean, those tiny crafted little bog, bog girl, 
which is another story that's in this collection. I just loved it. It was one of my favorites. Um, I don't think I disliked any of the stories in it because they were all so strange and wonderful. And it was just like weird little poems. Well, and one of the things I really liked about this short story collection is some of them when they're all by the same author, which I think is a little bit harder to find currently. They all read as if they are the same author. Like they, it's the same writing style. It's almost the same beat sometimes. This one, each one feels different. I think that's the other reason why mm -hmm. I suggested these two because they're so different, not only in tone, but also in how she crafted them. And just yeah. kind of the pacing and the word choice too between the two was, because if I remember correctly, in Orange World, she actually was saying, you know, was using fuck and just like, oh my gosh, like these things were just, you had really, um, Yvette, Yvette, uh, Yvette, Yvette, yeah. Yvette, yes, was very, not crass, but very harsh and realistic. Whereas in the first one, it was all kind of very ethereal and kind of a little fuzzy and, you know, a little mm -hmm. rose glass. And well, it was a different time period, too. You know, yeah. you have the 40s, 30s or 40s or whatever time period that first one was put in. And the other one is obviously very modern. But you still have that same, I don't even know what, lyrical is the only thing I can think of to call it. I think that's But I think if I was, if I didn't have the authors and you were to ask me if these two stories were written by the same person, I don't know if I'd be able to say yes. Like, I'd say it was like, oh, two good authors. When you get to something like um, Zora Neale Hurston short stories, you very clearly know this is a Zora Neale Hurston short story because the cadence is the same. And I think that's where, like, I'm still really impressed as well. I think that takes a very good author to be able to have such a variety within the same collection. Um, and that's where, like, the first one, too, it had a lot of beats that felt like it was inspired by un, by Edgar Allan Poe. Um, mm. Joe, Joe knows what I'm talking about because the construction horror. And you read a lot of horror. Perhaps you could agree. We're trying to make this a genre of construction horror. But the fact that the... <laughs> the horror is in the architecture. Yes. And at one point they described the fact that it felt like the lodge was actually animated and like controlling things to an extent. And that's what we hey, saw. It's a whole shining. thing. It's a, the haunted yeah. house is a thing, you know? You have I've read a bunch of horror novels where that fit into that exact thing that you're talking about. So yeah, it really very clearly could be a genre all on its own. So please tell your friends about construction horror and <laughs> understand that patent is pending. <laughs> okay. I will. It is noted. <laughs> but, and then Orange World felt to me, it kind of had, uh, I couldn't decide if it was really Stephen King that it vaguely reminded me of, or more so just kind of those 70s, 80s style, you know, horror. I, no, 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 that's really describing right, but it's so different, and it kind of felt like each one maybe was inspired by some certain style of writing when she began hmm. it. Well, oddly enough, I read a book not that long ago called, gosh, I think it was called Bitch by Rachel Yoder, and it's there's a picture of a raw steak on the front. Um. It's that is truly one of the strangest books I have ever read, but it's oh, very, nice 
Night Bitch, thank you. Gosh, I knew I was missing something on that. But have you read it? No, it only came out a couple of months ago. Yeah, it. I read it uh, right when it came out. And it is very similar to the short story Orange World. Very similar. Not the same, but the same kind of genre. She's a new mother. She thinks she's turning into a dog. I have this on my to be read. Did you talk about this on your podcast a couple? I did. <laughs> I did. I did. I'm oh. telling you, it. Yeah, it's it it shares some things with this story. It's almost like well, maybe she read Orange World. Mm-hmm. I think I think they both came out at a similar time. I don't remember. I don't remember when Orange World came out. In 2019. Okay, so it did come out before because Night Bitch. The summer it got released. Right, but but it it plays on the same theme. Yeah. Of a new mother sort of losing losing her mind a bit. Because it's a common thing for a woman to have to reevaluate everything. Yeah. Well, and and it does seem like it's it very much is generally more the the mother like sometimes you have the father but the father seems to be very different emotional things and actually it's interesting since we did the shining last time because the shining is like the father's downhill yep. spiral version yeah <laughs> yeah that was a that was a good one too that was one strange book mm-hmm. yes <laughs> there's it has a follow-up too called the uh, Doctor Sleep. Doctor Sleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Terrible titles. Can you tell? <laughs> I think. I think because I read some. Most book people, I think, end up being very bad at book titles. It's like, oh, it's by this one author. I know the author. Yeah. I mean, it, and when it you might read, have a red cover. Yes. When you read as many books as we do, I mean, I'm almost to 200 for this year. That's a lot of books, and it they. And I go from one book to another, to another, to another. I don't stop in between. I heavily rely on Goodreads to... As do I. uh, Anything that I'm reading. (laughs) Yes, I have to keep track there because otherwise I would go, oh, that sounds good. That's what used to happen before Goodreads. I would read the description, go, oh my gosh, that sounds great. And I would get it and I would get about two chapters in and go, crap. I've already read this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now I just go to Goodreads and see see if I've read it. Yeah, well, I uh, I wish the Goodreads was around when, like, honestly, it's going to sound silly, but twenty years ago when we, we were in elementary school at that point. However, I was such an advanced reader, and I read so many books because when when you're that age, you have so much more time <laughs> before you're an yeah. adult. And now, yep. multiple times, I've picked up a book. I'm like, oh, this. Same thing. This sounds really good. I start reading. I'm like, I think I read this in middle school. Yep. No, I know this is good. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, and I think that's kind of the nice thing with short stories, where short stories, they do have similar beats, but it's not as aggravating when you realize you've already read the short story. because It's just a little, little bit. Less of an investment. <laughs> True. And if you were to go to probably the best short story collection of all time, in my opinion, it would be the Illustrated Man collection by Ray Bradbury. Yes. Mm, yeah, that is the, in my mind, that is the best. 
collection. Yeah. I just love it. I once again breaks the mold because I usually don't like short stories, but, <laughs> but it's also the ones I like. Bradbury. I like he is one of the pillars. I think too honestly, he's one of the ones that I think ends up being a pillar for um, horror and thriller novels. If you look at his original novels before, that was really a genre. Sci-fi. He had a couple of good mm-hmm. sci-fi uh, short stories in there too that sort of fit into that same thing. It's all in. Um, uh, breaking our preoccupation mm-hmm. with yeah. our lives and with the people we come into contact with and and forcing us to think about something different. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think, too, like the, the other nice thing with short stories is that they frequently can fill only one genre, but they also can very subtly blend into others, whereas with a book. Some books will do that, but they're so focused on selling them and selling them to the people who are going to buy them that Mm. it gets very hard to get someone to read something outside of their comfort zone. Agree. And that's what that's where we come in, ladies. Mm -hmm. Because we're trying to show people that it's okay. Well, and it's especially helpful if, if you utilize your library. Because then yep. you haven't spent money on something that's an unknown yet. I listen from the library and then I purchase the books that I like. I don't stop purchasing. I just purchase differently. Yes, uh, I, I do the exact same thing. And like my library, you can do those interlibrary loans. And for me, it means I can avoid spending all of that extra money on a book that I don't even know if I'm going to like that yeah. maybe the library doesn't have, but I still really don't want to spend 20 or even $30 sometimes on that new book. And yeah. I've actually been doing that with cookbooks lately. You might not know that like your library has a wide variety of books, but there's oh, yeah. been really popular cookbooks in the last like two years with like Great British Bake Off people or something mm-hmm. um, that I can take a few recipes that I like and take photos of or like copy at the library. Mm-hmm. And I don't need to pay $40 for two recipes. Well, I do the same thing, you know, sewing too. sewing books because quilting books are like $30 a pop and they're, they'd never get cheaper. (laughs) I mean, and if you, if you see yourself using more than three or four recipes from one book, you're going to buy the book. If you've got something that's, that's going to be a consistent part of your routine or whatever you know obviously people used to give me a hard time about using the library so much but then when I let them know that it, it doesn't stop me from supporting my favorite authors mm-hmm. it does not stop me from buying books if anything I'm more confident in my book buying because I know the books that I want and I will purchase those books from uh and give them as gifts as well. So I'll actually purchase more. Well, and not only that, yeah. but you, uh, there is, and I don't remember exactly what the feedback is, but my librarian friends have told me that there is a feedback to the author and there is some yeah. kind of a monetary exchange mm-hmm. for getting the books yeah. from the library. And mm-hmm. yeah, there is, but it, it still makes people feel weird when you talk about, you know, saving money. Yeah. <laughs> but they don't support like public that. resources. Mm-hmm. It's all it's all an exchange, right? Yeah. And 
And I and I do understand, like, because um, I think I'm the one who lives in the smallest town at this point in time, <laughs> with uh, twenty thousand people, and we're the biggest within about a fifty or sixty miles of me. And I understand for my friends who live in the small towns that their yeah their library has like three hundred books or four hundred books. Like I understand at that point of yeah you're very limited to what you have access to. But when you have the access to these big libraries and to just support them and keep them going too, like that's. And we're also in the brave new world of you can go online and purchase a library card in a different city for 25 or $30. And you have access to their digital uh, catalog, including eBooks and audiobooks. So that gives you a whole new world of opportunities, especially if you live in a place like Samantha. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's it's an interest. I think the library is just as underutilized as a whole. The whole system is, which is, is too bad. So, and I mean, there's things there for people who don't read. Like ours has, they have audiobooks, they have CDs, they have movies. It's like a blockbuster in 2021. Yeah. Cake pans <laughs> and seeds. Yeah. Oh, now that would be awesome. A cake pan? Yep. Yeah, it's fantastic. I use it for holiday parties. So I don't necessarily need to buy a whole new cake pan. That's, again, 40, 50 bucks. I can use it for one recipe. I like wanted to make donut holes, but I'm not going to buy a donut hole pan. Um, I was able to just rent it. As long as you clean it and bring it back, they're happy. Mm-hmm. Now I know where I'm going to take all those pans that I bought that I'm never going to use a second time. (laughs) Yes, exactly. My husband, they have bikes that you can rent. They have like um, fishing gear and hiking gear and camping gear, like stuff that most people really only use like maybe once, right? (laughs) Or they want to dip their toe in, right? Like it's the same or like there's ukuleles Mm -hmm. and sewing materials. Like, do I just want to try this out or more importantly let my tween try it out because I don't want to buy my tween or teenager like a full ukulele yeah yeah libraries are amazing (laughs) they are my saving grace because I would never be able to a you know read all the books that I want to read and b I would never be able to do a podcast like this yeah because I would, you know, I read four books a week. Average. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, we, we definitely got off the topic of <laughs> Orange, World. Orange World. However, it was a good We did. We, di- <laughs> we diverged just a little. Any yeah, other... it's, a great, it's a great collection. It really is. Yeah. I highly recommend it. Um, and sounds like Swamplandia is also a fantastic book to check out from your local library or your local book retailer. I would say so. I would, and I'm gonna read this one. Oh yes, Vampires I, in the Lemon Grove. That was the other what I looked at because I am definitely yeah. a big like werewolf vampire fan, but I thought that'd be too much for Joe. <laughs> yeah, Sam's yeah, a really um, big vampire fan. And yeah. Werewolf. I have yeah. a, I have a whole section of now werewolves. that you've probably read the weirdest <laughs> short story collection you've ever read. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Any other closing thoughts on Orange World or Karen Russell? Oh, I think Karen Russell might have a new fan in me. I liked the writing style a lot. Mm-hmm. 
I would agree. I hope that she comes out with more full-length novels, too, because it looks like Swamplandia yep. is the only full-length one currently. Yep, it is. And it's and it's not, it's very disturbing, but not in the same way. It, it is a story about a family, and it has the main character as a little girl. It's It's really an excellent novel. I loved it so much. I've recommended it to a ton of people, and Karen Russell's just really really a good writer in my opinion joe what about you i really did i think i also have a new fan and more books on my to read list um so i am really looking forward to the rest of her work and getting back into short stories i go in and out of them depending on the phase of life and this has re-inspired my short story interest What's strange that? that you get that recommendation from somebody who doesn't typically like them. <laughs> That's how you get the best short stories, though. I guess. Mm-hmm. With that, I do want to say thanks for listening. Thank you for Martha Steele from Three Book Girls. Check them out. Um, but we hope you join us again in a couple of weeks when we will be discussing time jump stories. Uh, until then, subscribe, drop a like, send us any comments on Instagram at Athenium Podcast or at podcastlit at gmail.com. Thanks. Bye, guys. Bye. Thanks.